All right, you guys excited for the Word of God? All right, all right, decent response. Decent. Uh, I've been at Itaewon for the past four years, and um, the one big difference between this congregation and uh, Itaewon's congregation is the uh, volume level, especially during the sermons. Uh, I remember we were, we were praying over some people a couple weeks ago, and I could almost hear you guys breathing. It was so like quiet in here. Whereas at Itaewon, they're, they're very loud. Uh, they're extremely loud people there. Uh, you know, you, you love them for that uh, as well. But there is a culture that Pastor Marcus really implemented of responding to the word. And, and so if you're getting stirred by, by what's being spoken or, you know, as Pastor Emily's giving the exhortation and, and encouraging us, if that's hitting your heart, I want to encourage you guys to not be silent, not just kind of take it in, but, but do what Rona just did. Like, hmm. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. Amen. Uh, you can do that. You don't have to get obnoxious. You don't have to force it or anything like that. Let, let it come, but it'll become more and more natural uh, as you guys are here. I've, I've gotten down, I think, three responses. Amen. Yes. And that's good. So that, that's my language so far, but uh, I'm developing it. And, and I'll tell you, it, it's powerful when, um, when we're worshiping and, and Lisa at Itaewon will just, you know, shout hallelujah or, or, you know, Candace or someone like that, you know, one of those boisterous people at, at Itaewon would speak up. You can feel a surge in the spirit. And there's a truth that if you really want it, you'll get it. And the more you vocalize it, the more you ask, the more will be given to you. And so even as you're receiving the word, I know a lot of you are studious and that's good. So you're trying to focus and trying to take notes, uh, but just trying to acknowledge to the Lord now and then. Uh, it's not so much for me, uh, but it's, it's to bless the Holy Spirit. So uh, I'm, I'm really blessed to be here. I, I shared last week that I'm excited to preach at this congregation and see how God's going to shape us, and uh, that I wanted to share some from my past of how God has shaped me and built me up so that you guys can learn. And this message today is one of the most important messages that I have learned over the years, especially in doing healing and deliverance ministry at this church. And so I've, I've been the healing deliverance pastor uh, here at New Philly for a number of years. Pastor Christian was the original healing deliverance leader back in 2006. Uh, we had a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of wild stuff happened. And in 2007, most of the core leaders got their breakthroughs that year, 2007. So we have 10 core leaders at our church. And what I love to share with newcomers is uh, their background. So among our core leaders, I'm just going to read it here. You had leaders, multiple leaders, struggled with sexual addiction. Uh, there was bulimia and intense rejection. Uh, bulimia to the point of scarring, scarring on the hand. Drug addiction, one was in prison for a few years. Deported to Korea because of the drug addiction. Uh, had to drag himself to sleep. Another was homeless at a point in his life. Another was kidnapped and raped when she was in college. Another had an abortion. And uh, all those sins, struggles, and trauma among just 10 leaders, and they are the core leaders of this church, okay? The core leaders, if you did not know, are Pastors Christian and Aaron and Myung-Hwa of Hongdae, Pastor Marcus of Itaewon, Pastor Caleb and Mina of Pusan, Pastor John, Anita, Sky, and myself uh, here at Shilin. Imagine that, all that past. And for, for most of them, their breakthroughs came in 2007, 2008, 2009. 
And uh, no more of any of those things. No more drug addiction, no more bulimia, no more sex addiction, no more drinking themselves to sleep, no more smoking even, uh, a lot of reconciliation in family. I didn't even mention, you know, family issues. A lot of family issues among our core as well. Uh, but God has been so faithful. And that is what the gospel is. Jesus came not that just so that you can get saved and get into heaven, but he came that you may have life and have it to the full. And fullness of life is being able to be removed from the past and no longer bear the weight of those false identities of the shame and the trauma and those past sins and instead be able to give your yoke to the Lord. Repent of those sins, renounce those identities and walk in full freedom. This is what I want for a new Philly Shield. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's what we should expect in this place. So knowing who you are now, taking off that yoke, and knowing who you are now in God and who God has called you to be, it gives you great authority, it gives you great power, and it keeps you secure. So that's what I'm going to speak about today. Today's sermon is titled, Your True Identity. Your True Identity. I want you guys to uh, repeat, actually, what I just said. So repeat after me. Knowing who I am and who God has called me to be keeps me secure, gives me great authority and power as I live for God. That's truth right there. Your identity in Christ, your identity in who God has made you to be is critical. So critical, God knows it, and his first words to Jesus, after Jesus was born, as Jesus was living his life, his first words in the Bible were regarding Jesus' identity. I want you guys to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. This account is in every gospel. It shows just how important it is. Matthew chapter 3. This is where Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. This is one of the accounts in Scripture where we see the fullness of the Trinity. You see the Father, you see the Holy Spirit, and you have the Son. I'm going to read uh, yeah, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Other translations say, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, who I am proud of. And what I want to point out to you, which is so critical in this passage, is that God the Father speaks this over Jesus before Jesus has done anything. Jesus' ministry has not begun. Okay, He hasn't brought home a report card to show to His Father. He hasn't done anything to earn God the Father saying, I'm proud of you. I'm well pleased with you. Instead, the Father is confirming and, and put establishing in Jesus' heart that you are my son no matter what. I love you no matter what. And I'm proud of you. Not because of what you do, but because of who you are to me. When I see you, I see myself and I'm pleased with you. And so when Jesus lived his life and did his ministry, there was never a moment where he had fear of, did I pray enough today? Oh, did I do enough? Is, is God pleased with me today? 
Is God going to be upset? Jesus never had to fear earning God's love because God spoke it into him before he could do anything at all. Identity is critical. Your identity in Christ, knowing that God loves you, knowing who you are as a child of God, you have to get that before you can do anything at all. Because otherwise you're just striving and you're living apart from the gospel. The gospel says it's by grace that we've been saved. It says God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it isn't something where, oh, now I'm a good Christian, and so I can receive salvation, or, or now I can feel God's love. No. God chose you. That's it. He chose you, and that's all that matters. If he has chosen you, you are accepted. And even if you mess up, you might have to go through a season of discipline, or, or you might have to confess your sins, but it doesn't mean God doesn't love you less. Doesn't mean that at all. His love for you is constant. It is so strong and it is so deep. So his first words to Jesus were about identity. Now, can you guess what Satan's first words to Jesus were about? Let's look uh, in Matthew 4. Just look back down. Verse 3. Satan appears to Jesus first time in Scripture. It says, verse 3, The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. What does Satan first try and put doubt into Jesus? His identity. uh, Satan, in all three of his temptations, attacks Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, prove yourself. Act on your own accord. He was trying to get Jesus to have to prove himself here on earth when all Jesus needed to do was say, no, My father proves who I am. I don't need to prove anything. I don't need to turn those stones to bread. Why? Because I have my God, my father, who takes care of me. I'm not going to act on my own works. I'm not going to go on my own accord. I'm secure in who I am, and I know I have my father in heaven who will provide all that I need. Jesus passes that test. Next test, verse verse 5, says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And he's trying again to attack Jesus' identity. He's trying to make Jesus prove himself. Satan knew he had no chance against a true child of God. This is what you guys got to get. Satan knew he had no chance against a true child of God. So he had to put doubt into his identity. That goes for Jesus And that goes for every believer in Jesus Christ. Satan has no chance against us unless he can separate our identity from the Father. So Satan's common attack is to try and get us looking in the present. He's trying to get us to focus. The third temptation for Jesus, he didn't say, if you're the son of God. Instead, he just tried to go as quick as possible and catch Jesus off guard. And he said, look, I know you're supposed to live this life and die on a cross and then you'll inherit things, but let's just do this quick. You bow down to me and I'll give you everything. It's all yours. And what he was trying to do to Jesus in that moment was, again, take Jesus out of his identity and out of his calling and instead just get him focused on that present moment right there and try and trap Jesus in the moment. If I can just get Jesus to bow to me, then I own him. But Jesus knew it. He said, get away from me, Satan. I will only bow down to my father. You see, Jesus knew 
I, I can't get caught up in these traps of Satan and looking in the present and getting wrapped up in these present struggles. I know that if I just walk with my father, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be safe. Satan's most common attack against us is to either get us wrapped up in our current struggle, our current you know, temptation, our current sin, and, and put identity over us regarding that, or get us wrapped up in the past. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to live with shame. Oh, I'm dirty. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, do you, do you even know what I did when I was 12? He wants us to focus on those things of the past and not look to the Father, not look ahead, not look to eternity, not look and know I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm above this earth. I'm above Satan. He's below my feet. Satan rather wants us to focus right now, here, present struggle, and not to the Lord. Guys, your identity in Christ, if you do not know who you are in the Lord, you will constantly be shaken. You will constantly be looking at the sin and false identities. But if you are secure in who you are in the Lord, your identity in Christ, just like Jesus was, even if Satan shows up right in front of your face, you will not be shaken. So, you know, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm fearless. Get away from me, Satan. Okay, there's an account that Martin Luther I don't know if this is true or not, but it's been written numerous times that Martin Luther, one of the Christian greats, uh, that he was laying in bed one night and Satan appeared in his room. And he said, I have a word for you, Martin Luther. And Martin Luther just rolled over and went to sleep. Okay, that should be our identity. Oh, Satan just appeared in the room. Whoop de doo. I'm going to roll over and I'm going to go to sleep. Okay, there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. There's no fear in love. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. You see the power of identity? You know the word. You know the truth. The truth will set you free. As it's marked on your heart, you will not sin against God. You will not be overwhelmed by the enemy. You will be safe and secure in all that you do. You will have authority. Okay, demons will tremble before you. You know, doing healing deliverance ministry when I was younger... And I would go to retreats or on mission trips and I would see someone just flip out, you know, just, ah, you know, going all, all wild and, you know, like demon manifesting. It was shocking for me. I wasn't raised in a church that, that practiced the Holy Spirit or anything like that. And I would watch all these people trying to pray out of desperation. Oh, you know, like that. And, and the demon would mock them. And then one person would just come in and say the same prayer, but just with a calm authority. I command you to be silent. Silence. But what, what's that? We're all Christians here. We're all the same in Christ and all that. But as I notice these different people, the people that prayed with authority, they knew who they were. But the people that were all shaky, I don't know if they really knew when, when the rubber hit the road, if, if they were really Christian or, or who God really was to them. You see, when you're secure in your identity, when you know the truth, it not only sets you free, but you set other people free. You're unshakable. Satan can't touch this. Every time Jesus responded, it was with the word of God. That's how he responded. Identity. It's critical. So how do you get your identity in Christ? What are the steps? They're so important that the Apostle Paul mentions it twice in his letters. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4. 22 to 24. Then we're going to flip to Colossians, which is just uh, uh, two books later. But uh, first we'll look at Ephesians chapter 4. 22 to 24. It says this. 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's putting off the old self, putting on the new self. Now, turn just a few pages in your Bible to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and after the image of its creator. Put off, put off, put on. Put off, put on. You see, you get saved, guys, when you believe in God. You get saved when you believe in God. And I believe that many of us in this room, we believe in God. So you've gotten saved. But you get changed when you believe or when you understand that God believes in you. Okay, you get saved when you put your faith in God. But you get changed when you realize God believes in me. God has spoken into me. This is where your identity is what starts to give you authority. It's that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's as you get into the word of God and you begin to put off those false lies, those false identities, those things that the world has put on you. It's like clothes. You take it off and then you begin to put on the truth. You begin to put on what God speaks over you throughout this scripture. This is a love letter to you guys. And I know for many people when they open this, they're like, oh, I don't understand. And so they give up. But you get your understanding through the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So when you open up this Bible, you got to ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And what you got to understand is you might read a chapter and only get one sentence or two sentences. Like, I don't understand anything in this book of Isaiah except this one line, spoke to me today. That's what God's word for you that day was. Give us this day our daily bread. And you go on that. The next day you get in the word again and you ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I guarantee you, he will not be silent. Because he loves to fellowship with you. And as you keep getting into the word, he's going to speak deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart. I've read this book so many times, I've lost count. I've read it in almost every version as well. Okay, And it continues to speak to me today. There's not a moment where I'm like, I've read it all. I got it. You know, it's done. No, there are layers of depth to just richness in here. You can never go too deep. There's always more. For what God has for you. So when I've been directing this healing deliverance ministry, uh, what, what we do, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, is uh, we have the person fill out a questionnaire. First, they need to be in fellowship. And that's what you got to understand. You don't do healing deliverance with someone that, that has no accountability, that has no, no support. Okay? Uh, Jesus warns about this. You don't just cast demons out. Okay? If, because if the person doesn't have covering, if they don't have support around them, they're going to get attacked again. So one of, one of our things is that you need to be in a CG or, or in a familia. Um, you need to be with fellowship in this house. And then as you're growing with the Lord, as you're getting in the word, and God begins to illuminate different things in your past. Oh man, I'm, I'm carrying these different lies and I can't get closer to the Lord. I just can't, I can't get rid of these old garments. Okay? And what we do is we sign them up for healing and deliverance and you fill out a questionnaire. And it's different sins, whether it's sins of the occult, um, sins of, you know, tarot cards or, or horoscopes or bowing down to your ancestors or, or different forms of idolatry. 
uh, whether it's sexual sins, uh, different habitual sins, addictions, drugs, uh, unforgiveness, trauma, different things like that. And, and so you fill it out and then you meet with one of our leaders, uh, Pastor Sky, myself, or, or another active leader in the house, and they lead you through it. And the basic steps are confess. Okay, you got to confess your sins. You speak it out. You repent. Repent doesn't just mean, oh, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry about that. It doesn't mean that at all. What it really means, repent, means to turn away. Okay, so I've been going this way, but God, I repent of going this way. I'm turning from that sin. I'm choosing to go this way. That's what repentance means, the word repent. But what we found is that what's even more powerful than repentance, repentance is critical, but what's been even more powerful is the word renounce. Okay, renounce means to forsake. It's no longer who I am. And so when we have people confess, oh, I, I confess to, you know, pornography and, and to habitual masturbation and to things like that, there's power in the confession and the repentance, but what's even more powerful is that when they begin to renounce the lies the enemy has put in them because of those sins. I renounce that I am dirty. I declare I'm clean by the blood of Christ. I renounce that I'm an addict. I declare that I am more than a conqueror. Okay, when someone forgives their mom or their dad of an abusive relationship, that's powerful in of itself, the forgiveness. But then when they begin to renounce the lies that they got from that abusive relationship, there's even deeper freedom. I renounce that I am alone. I declare I'm part of the body of Christ. I renounce that I am a failure. I declare that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You see, what they're doing every time they renounce is they're taking off those, those old garments. They're taking off those lies and they're putting on garments of grace. They're putting on the truth. Truth is like a shield. It protects you. Okay, and they're putting that on. And so when they're faced with that temptation again, when they're faced with a temptation for lust, or when they're faced in a situation where they're being rejected and they're being reminded of that past, they hold on to the truth. You see, every identity that they claim, we don't just make up, uh, I declare that, that I'm a good person. Okay, we don't make things up. It's all according to Scripture. More than a conqueror, able to do all things, precious and honored in his sight, fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, those are the truth of the Lord. Enemy can't stand it. He can't fight that. He's got nothing against it. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. I renounce the lie. I declare the truth. Your identity in Christ is crucial. Just listen to the authority as I share. I'm just going to read this. Some of the identities in Christ. I'm a new creation. I am redeemed. I belong to God. I'm sealed and anointed with the Holy Spirit. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. I am free. I'm a child of God, loved by the Father, his treasured possession. I'm the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I'm a friend of God, the bride of Christ. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created for his glory. I'm created for his joy. I'm more than a conqueror. I am fearless. You just hear that? How it just blesses your spirit? As you're hearing, that's the truth of God. That's the fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to be meditating on. Not these lies, oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, I'm so, I'm so broken. Oh, I'm, I'm so depressed. Oh, I'm so angry. Oh, I'm so, those are all temporary emotions that should not be a part of you. You've been filled with the Spirit, you should be bearing fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You should be marked by these things because you are filled with the Spirit. It's just natural. 
As you just meditate on Him, it just starts to come out of you. You don't have to fight for it. It's by grace you've been saved. You don't have to fight for it. I renounce this lie. I declare this truth. The more you're grounded in your identity in Christ, the more grounded you will be in your life. Satan cannot shake you. You will be strong in your faith. And guys, you will cast out demons. You will cast out demons. You got nothing to fear. One of the visions God's given me for this church here at Shilam is that we will honor this. We will honor this word. Uh, a friend of mine put up a quote on Facebook last night. And uh, it's from some somebody. I don't know. But it said, I've never seen a weak Christian who studies the word every day. And I've never met a strong Christian who does not study the word every day. You want to be a strong Christian? Here's your key. You want to be weak? Just, just put this on the shelf and ignore it. You'll be shaken all your life. But if you read this and you ask the Holy Spirit, don't view it as your textbook. View it as the Word of God. And you can only discern the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. While it might be written in English, it's really a spiritual language because it's spoken by the Holy Spirit. So you need the Spirit to help you understand this. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, guys, in, in my walk, as I've read this, there's so many areas where I get confused or I don't understand. And so I would pray about it. And then the next Sunday, I'd be at church, and the pastor would suddenly be covering that passage. And my Bible study group, we'd all look at each other like, what is going on? And, and God would answer, or somebody would share a video with us, and it was exactly the thing that we were struggling with. God loves you. He's not trying to hide it from you. He's not trying to say, oh, just be confused. It's weird. I, I know. God wants you to understand. You just got to ask. I want this church to be mature. I want this church to be strong, to be set in the word of God. Never be shaken. Good responses, guys. I affirm you. So if you're part of a community group, uh, if you're not a part of a community group, I want to encourage you guys to sign up uh, for that after the service. Uh, if you're in Emmaus, if you're at Seoul National University, uh, sign up for a familia uh, with Rona uh, and do that. And this week, you guys will get a document. It's Identities in Christ. It's, I think, 35 or more uh, identities straight from Scripture with a verse and descriptions of each. And you guys can just meditate on those. There's so many more identities, though. Uh, that's just like 30 or 38. I don't know how many are on there. But there are like hundreds of identities, what God speaks in this scripture to us. And uh, get that this week. Go over it with your CG. Get built up in the word of God and who you are. Well, I'm not going to stop there. Uh, that's identity in Christ. That's what every believer has. Okay, all of us, those identities that I was speaking, new creation, redeem, you know, belong to God, all those things we all possess. We are all human. Okay, we all have eyes to see, ears to hear, mouth to speak. Okay, we can taste, we can touch, we walk, we all have a heart, we all have a brain, we all have lungs. We all have these things. And so as Christians, in the same way, we all have that, that, those basic traits of believers, that basic identity in Christ that's for every believer. But John Park read 1 Corinthians 12 earlier. And if you hear, if you were paying attention, you would see that it says that God gives specific gifts to different people, to individuals. And so while we can all hear, see, taste, touch, we got different personalities, different height, different weight, different talents, different aspirations. Okay, there's a lot of uniqueness 
to us as well. We are not all the same person. And the beauty is that God sees us as individuals. He doesn't just see you as one big mass of robots. He sees you each formed, each his precious son and daughter. Okay, when you have kids, you don't look at all your kids as the same. They're all the same, girl, guy, they're all the same. Okay, no, you celebrate the identities of each and every one of them. Okay, one of your kids might be the wild one, the quiet one, okay, the artistic one, the, the, the singer, the, the whatever, okay, and you celebrate each of those because God celebrates you. And so your true identity goes beyond just the identity spoken in here. There's a prophetic identity that we possess as well. I want you guys to turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. This is very similar to what uh, J.P. wrote earlier in 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. It reads this way. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Gifts. Gifts. Every believer is marked with a unique design, purpose, and gifting. Okay, we all have our own unique design, purpose, and gifting. We're all called to worship the Lord. But the way we will worship him is going to be different person to person. We will not all be the exact same robots doing the exact same motions. Okay, there's beauty in diversity. There's beauty in being who we were made to be. If I had one son that was artistic and one son that was sporty, and I told my artistic son, you must, you must be athletic to get my, you know, my admiration, how crushing would that be for that son? But rather, I would say, look, you be who you've been called to be, and I'm, I'm just so proud of you. I'm so blessed by you. You be who you've been called to be, and I'm so blessed by you. I'm so proud of you. That's the true Father's heart. And that's true joy when you see, see people being who they are called to be in different ways. You see, in this house, our vision is to raise up an army of mighty warriors. An army. And, and in that, we challenge people to pray. Okay, when we have prayer meetings, it's not time to just kind of sit back and, and look around and, you know, lift up, lift up something. You'll notice that we're a bit militaristic. Okay, we're, we, we pray. All right, we, we pray pretty hard. Okay, and when we do leadership training, which is coming up in October, uh, it's not this light and easy leadership training. Let me just read you some seminars and, and relax. Okay, we really try and challenge our leaders, take them to a higher standard, build them up. Just like soldiers aren't just given a gun and said, oh, just go out there, do your thing. They go to boot camp, okay? They, they, got, they got to get strong, they got to get healthy, they got to learn their weapons, they got to learn how to fight. But the danger is, is that, oh, we're, we're an army of mighty warriors, we must all be soldiers. 
We must all have our weapon on the front line. Imagine an army like that. No officers, no medics, no engineers, no surveillance, no chaplains, just a bunch of people running and yelling. Okay? That army is going to get destroyed. Doesn't have a chance. What we got to understand is that even in an army, there are different roles. And while every soldier, every medic, every officer, every engineer, every surveillance, every single person, even the chaplains, are called to fight if they have to, it's far better if they're working in their role of expertise, if they're being who they're called to be. It's far better that the general is behind the army, directing them, than up at the front lines, about to get shot. Okay, it's far better that the radar people, the people that are surveilling, are behind, and the frontline warriors are up front. What good would it be to have your surveillance up front with no weapons, and then all your warriors in the back just sitting around? This makes sense, right? you got to understand what's your expertise, what's your gifting, who are you, how have you been shaped, and how do you fit in? How do you fit in? Sadly, in the church today, a lot of the church, I'm not just saying about New Philadelphia, but, but around the world, especially in the Western world, it's just two, two parts. Either you are a major leader in the church, you're the worship leader, or you're the pastor, or you sit in a chair. Okay? You sit in a chair, and maybe you help out, you know, and take care of the babies, or, or you know, help with a picnic here and there, or something like that, but that's it. And so, for a lot of Christians, their Christianity is just, I go to church. That's my role. That's what I do. They're happy that I'm there, that I fill a seat, and that, that attendance looks good. But there's no passion. There's no life. There's emptiness. Okay, when you force someone to, to act in a way that they're not designed to be, they will be empty. My wife is, is very creative. That's, that's who God has made her to be. She's a very creative person. So if she is not allowed to be creative, not allowed to do any projects, and I, I keep her away from creative places, from places where she can look and, and, and be inspired, she'll get depressed. For me, I'm not, I'm not that creative. So I'm good to go. I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm, I'm doing my thing. Okay, but that's who God has designed her to be. So if I remove her from those areas and I don't allow her to develop those gifts, there's an emptiness within her. She could survive. She can get by. But life is not satisfying. For me, I, I'm very much a shepherd. I very much, you know, take care of people, uh, look out for people. My original job was an engineer. Uh, that's why I studied in college and I worked in a cubicle. Not really my gifting. Okay, I'm good at math and I, I did a good job at my job. I, I, was, I was well spoken of by my bosses, but I was not feeling fulfilled because that specific job was me in a cubicle. All right, maybe if I was given management in that job, then suddenly I would have a life. Suddenly I'm looking, I'm, I'm interacting with people, that shepherd's heart is coming out. But if I'm just put in that cubicle, and I'm just kind of put away, and that's the way my life is going to be, okay, it's, it's not good for me. Some people love that, all right? We are all designed differently. We got to understand our roles. We got to start to learn and develop our giftings. How has God designed us? This isn't something that you just get right away. This is a journey with the Lord, and it's a beautiful one. Even parents, they look at their children, 
And, and they love to dream things for their children. Oh, you're going to be a baseball player. Or, you know, oh, you're going to be a, you know, a mighty prophetess. Oh, you're going to be this or that. But they have no idea what's coming. And so they wait with anticipation. And their children develop. And sometimes they go through weird seasons where it's like, oh, no. Like, is, are they going to work out? But you just keep the faith, and then soon it starts to be revealed. So you see, our God is romantic. Something I love to say is romance involves a level of mystery. It's not just all laid out. One of my uncles, what he would do is, on his dates, his first dates, he would sit down and he would lay down all his cards. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I want to be. All right, are you interested? And it didn't really go that well for him. Okay? You, you don't want to do that. All right, there should be a level of mystery. There should be a level of anticipation. Many of us, we want it right away, but that's not what God wants for us. He wants to walk with him. He wants so much more than us achieving our calling. He wants to enjoy the walk. He wants to enjoy revealing these things within us. So uh, here are some simple questions to help you discover your true, unique identity. Uh, one, what are you good at? Exceptionally good at. Okay, what are you exceptionally good at? If you are exceptionally good at something, you should likely develop it. All right, it would likely be a shame for you to hide it. And something I I have to say to you guys is that some of you might not like what you're good at. Moses did not like his calling. All right, Moses fought with the Lord about it. Send someone else. I don't want to do this. But I imagine when Moses got old and he looked back on his life, he was probably so thankful that he took the job and that he got to experience seeing God face to face, that he got to experience all those miracles and walking with the Lord. What a shame it would have been if God had said, okay, Moses, you just stay in the desert. I'm going to find someone else. Okay, what you got to understand, you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And it might not come right away, but you delight yourself in him and it's going to come out. It's going to come out. So what are you exceptionally good at? Another question. At church, what are you blessed by? Like what, what do you really enjoy at church? And this can change, but is it getting deep in the word? Is it the worship and the praise time? Is it fellowshipping with people? Is it serving in the background? Is it praying for people? Is it teaching? Is it prophesying? Is it evangelizing? Okay, is there something that stirs your heart at church? Maybe more than something else. That's worth looking into. And for the third, what are some specific identities that have been spoken over you? What are some specific identities that have been spoken over you? So what are you exceptionally good at? At church, what are you most blessed by? What are some specific identities that have been spoken over you? Those are just three simple questions to help you start in your journey of finding out what's your true identity. And for some of you, it's okay if you have no answers to any of them. I don't think I'm exceptionally good at anything. At church, it's all good. I hope, I hope you guys would say that. It's all, it's all good. And no one's spoken anything over me. That's okay. I was at that place once in my life as well. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. You ask God, God, what am I good at? Reveal it to me. God, what does my heart skip at? What do I enjoy the most? 
And God, I pray that you begin to speak things over me. I pray that people will get to pray you know, over me and that I can hear some specific identities that are going to stand out. And this is what will happen is that as you pray that way, God's going to start to reveal himself. He's going to start to show himself to you. And what you're going to need to do is write these things down. And you're going to find some of them really stand out and some of them, they're just good. Oh, oh that, I really liked it when you know, he called me that or, or when someone spoke that over me. But maybe it didn't resonate like super strong. Like that's part of who you are, but that's not like the main bit of who you are. So for me, I've walked with the Lord a long time. I've been in the church a long time. I've received a lot of words. I've been very blessed. I've gone through seasons where I ask God a lot. God, I pray for more prophetic words. And when I do that, guys, I get tons of them. And when I don't do it, I get like nothing. All right. It's the same for dreams. If, if you want God to speak to you in dreams, you ask for dreams. God, speak to me in these dreams and he'll start giving you dreams. And then you got to pray, God, help me make sense of these dreams. What does this what does this mean? And if, if you don't want to to pursue it, if you're just like, I'm too tired, I just want to wake up, I want to go. He'll stop giving you dreams. OK, but ask it will be given to you. So for me, there, there were a few identities that, that stood out to me. They were spoken over me when I was younger in my faith. Uh, beloved, messenger, and shepherd. Those were spoken over me quite a bit. And then another that, that's spoken over me as well that just resonated with me uh, is warrior. Okay, my name is John Michael. You have John the Beloved. You have John the Baptist, the messenger. And you have Michael, okay, a warrior. All right, and so I've really taken that to heart. And so as I prayed over my identity, I was led to make an identity statement. This is who I am. And I really recommend you guys to do this. All right, so my identity statement, I'm God's beloved son, called to go deep into his heart. I'm God's messenger, called to declare the stirrings of his heart. I am God's warrior, called to deliver and commission God's people. I am God's shepherd, called to father a fatherless generation. And so when I'm presented with different ministry opportunities, I'm presented with just different, different things that could happen, I pray over it. Is this part of who God has made me to be? And I'll be able to know, is, is this what God is, is calling me into or is this not? You see, the word for gift in the Bible is charisma. All right, charisma. We like that word in English, charisma. But charisma is just a word taken from the root. It's charis, which means grace. So when it says spiritual gift in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, it really means spiritual grace. It should be something that you have a grace for. Something that, that comes easier. Testing. We good? Okay. Good job, Chris. So, Karis, it's a grace. It should be smooth. It should be, I have a grace for this. And so it's easier for me. Now, I am an introvert. Big groups of people wear me out. The worst place for me is a wedding reception, especially if there's a dance party. Okay? You will notice I flee the premises. I just, I get out. Okay? Uh, or if it's a big party and there's just a lot of people walking around. Oh, let me introduce you to this person. Oh, hey, talk with this person. Oh, let's have some small talk. Oh, you will find me in the corner, all right? I'm not joking. That's just who I am. I'm, I'm at the end of the table, and I'm just trying to talk to one person. Just, just keep me safe here. So it's ironic 
that I'm up here right now, isn't it? That I can speak to you guys. But you know what I'm doing right now? I'm being a messenger. And I'm being a shepherd. So there's grace. Now, if we were to, after you know this service, hey, we're, we're going to have a function here. John Michael, you be the MC. Here's the mic. Suddenly I'm getting drained. <laughs> Suddenly I'm like fighting and I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to be funny, but I'm really like, I, I want to go home. Okay? That's what you got to understand. If you have a grace for it, you can be put in circumstances where normally it would be very difficult. But if that's part of your God-given grace, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Okay, shepherd, messenger. Grace makes things easier. Your gifting should flow and it should not be exhausting. When I was first asked to preach years ago, um, I took it because I knew God was calling me to be a messenger. I knew that God was giving me specific words, but I did not want to preach. I was very much like Moses. I was very much like, give it to someone else. You see, before I preached, especially a few years ago, I would be anxious for a week, even weeks. I couldn't sleep at night because I was so nervous about preaching. And this was at like Friday Fire where there were like 20 people, but I, back, way back then when it was smaller. Uh, I would get so nervous because groups of people, being in front of them, I was just, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. But I knew God had spoken over that. Messenger, messenger, messenger. And so I obeyed. And as I have obeyed, it's gotten easier. It's gotten easier. And I'll still tell you, I, I get anxious before I speak. I think everybody gets, gets a level of butterflies. But it's gotten better. All right? It's gotten a lot better. And now I enjoy it. Speaking this message today, this is a message so strong on my heart, it would be a shame if I didn't speak it. It would be a shame if years ago, when I had been asked to preach, if I had said, no, I'm not a preacher, I'm never going to preach. I would have never become a pastor, I would not be up here today. That would be a shame, wouldn't it? So what you got to understand is maybe early on in your gifting and in your design, you might be put in situations where it's uncomfortable. And you got to kind of like learn how to fly. All right, but that's what God wants you to do. Wouldn't it be a shame if an eagle... Born, you know, comes out of the egg, has these wings, and just hops around. Okay? I'm scared to fly. I don't know if I can fly. And they just hop, hop, hop. It would not just be sad for us looking at that eagle, but it would be extremely sad for God. I designed you in this specific way. I gave you grace so that you could fly, so that you could do extraordinary things. Do not remain grounded. This is why it's so important for you guys to find out your specific design, your specific purpose, your specific giftings. Because when you do that, you can fly. And when you do that, your Father in Heaven is rejoicing over you. He is so happy for you. And you begin to experience life in a way that you never had before. And that self-satisfaction, that, that contentment, it gets so deep within you. The things of this world, it can't fully satisfy. But when you're walking in God's grace, you are truly satisfied. You are content. You are at peace. Now, uh, like I shared before, many people, they want to get to the top of the mountain right away. Okay, so some people, they know their identity. Okay, especially people in the arts. I am a singer. Okay, uh, I, I am a musician. I, I'm an author. I want to sell a bestseller right now. 
I want to be on, you know, I want to be a K-pop star. I want, I want to be number one right now. I want to go up as quick as possible. And I'll tell you, that is the way of the world. The way of the world is instant fame, instant money, instant success. But the way of God, it's a mountain. And it's gradual. It's a gradual ascent. The way of the Lord is learning to wait with Him. Learning to walk with Him. So I've shared today about two identities that are specific. One is what every Christian has, the identity in Christ. And the second is our God-given unique identity. What God wants first to get founded just deep within us, that foundation, is our identity in Christ. So a lot of people who find that prophetic identity first, they're unstable. Okay? And they're trying to run up that mountain, and they either get filled with pride, or they get filled with doubt and discouragement and depression, and they just get knocked out by the enemy. And so what God will do for these superstars, for these such people, is he'll put them through a desert season. A desert season. Moses was in the desert for 40 years. David ran in the wilderness away from King Saul for, for many years. Paul, after he got saved, it says that he went into Arabia. We don't even know what he did, but many historians believe that he went to just meditate on his conversion for a few years before he came out. Jesus himself, the greatest to ever live here on earth, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, 40 days in the desert. What is the desert? It's not punishment. It's not punishment at all. It's only punishment if you choose to take it as punishment. What the desert really is, is a season in your life where God sets that foundation so strong, so secure. You're not doing anything. You can't earn his love. You're in the desert. you got nothing to do. Okay? You're just running for your life. You know you've been anointed king. You know you have this calling on your life. But right now, you're just trying to survive. Okay, you are just walking with the Lord. And if you want to achieve your true calling, you got to learn to lean on him. You got to learn to get your true identity in Christ, that foundation fully set so that when you start to climb that mountain that God's called you to climb, whether it's the business mountain, I'm called to be a CEO, or I'm called to be a, an innovator, I'm going to create things that are going to really bless people. I'm called to be a father to the North Korean orphans and, and to take care of them. God wants your foundation to be so secure. You will never be shaken. You can truly shine like the brightest of stars. Song of songs. So many people say, oh, I want God to romance me. I, I want God to just captivate me and to bless me. So many women say this, at least. And um, Hosea, there's a beautiful, beautiful section on that. I will allure her. I will draw her into the desert. And I will speak, speak love over her. And women look at that and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful. What it's saying is, I will bring her into the desert season. I will bring her into the desert season so that all of her false identities, all those earthly pursuits, everything that is not right is going to be trimmed away. It's going to be taken away. And she's going to learn to hear my voice. She's going to learn her true identity in me. And you know, Song of Songs in chapter 8, it's a beautiful Song of Songs, most, you know, lovely, lovely book in the Bible. How it ends, Song, Song of Songs 8, 5, it says, Who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Who is this coming out of the desert? Amen, Olivia. Leaning on her beloved. This is what God wants for you guys. So don't be discouraged if you don't know your true identity. And don't be discouraged if you know it, but you don't see any signs of hope yet. What God is wanting for you first is claim your identity in Christ. Get those basic truths so deep into your heart. Walk with the Lord. Fall in love with Him. And then as you are getting that, Pursue that prophetic identity. 
Pursue that unique design. Ask God to open doors, and you're going to see favor upon favor upon favor upon favor in your life. God loves you. Why would he not want you to succeed? Why would he not want you to be influential like Daniel or Joseph or Ezra or Nehemiah? He wants this, but he wants you to be in a place of security and safety, a place of such deep identity in Christ that you won't fall apart, that you will not fall away. God wants the best for you. So I want to close with this. Uh, Developing your true identity requires two things. Developing your true identity. Specifically, that prophetic identity requires this faith and practice, faith and practice. Faith comes from hearing, comes from hearing the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. So when someone speaks something powerful over you and you just choose to ignore it, you don't write it down, you just you forget about it. You've you've lost a golden opportunity. Okay, when people speak a prophetic word over your life, when people speak a deep identity into you. You need to meditate on that. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. How will you know the truth if you don't meditate on this? In the same way, how will you know who you are prophetically if you don't meditate on what God has spoken over you? If I did not know deep in my heart that I'm his beloved messenger, then I would not be up here. Or if I was up here, I would be very shaken. Uh, am I really? Is this the message from the Lord? Is this what God has for you? I would be, uns- I would be shaky, unsteady. But because I've meditated on it, faith comes from hearing. You've got to meditate on it because it's set in me. I'm secure. Faith, and then number two is practice. You've got to develop it. Imagine if Michael Jordan knew he was the greatest basketball player ever, so he didn't play basketball. He didn't practice. I'm the best. I don't need to practice. I'm, I'm called to be a singer. I'm not going to sing. I'm called to be a praise leader. I'm, I'm not going to practice. Okay? What a shame, what a disappointment that would be. you got to develop your gifting. you got to develop those areas. God says, oh, I'm a messenger. Oh, that feels really good. But if I never take those opportunities to preach, I will never develop who I'm called to be. And if you listen to my old messages, you will find a sharp contrast between the messages now. Why? Because I've grown in the anointing. The anointing is grace. I've grown in that grace that God has given me. I've become more secure in my calling. And so I speak with a greater authority. I'm not the same man that I was in 2007, 2006, 2002, or even a couple years ago. I've grown through practicing, through exercising the grace that God has given me. As you receive it by faith, meditate on it, and as you practice, you're going to experience a self-satisfaction, a deep joy that you have never experienced in your life. This is what God wants for you. This is his will for you. So my hope for each of you in this house, New Philadelphia Sheelan, is that you guys will get grounded in your identity in Christ, that we all possess, that you will know the truth. It will be written on your heart that you might not sin against him. And my hope is that for each of you, you will also find your unique design, purpose, and gifting so that you will not live a life of emptiness, so that you will not just try and fill a hole because that's, that's what I'm supposed to do in the church is just to serve for serving but that you will begin to learn. And if you don't know, you get on the service team, you get on the welcoming team, get on the tech team, and begin to learn what what blesses me, what stirs me, what's easy for me, and that you will develop that. You will become good at it, and you will become a leader in that area. You will experience such a deep joy and fulfillment you've never had before. That's my desire for you all.
So take this to heart. Join a community group if you haven't already. You guys will be blessed during this week, during the meeting, as you guys go deeper uh, in what I've shared today. I'm going to have the praise team come up, and I'm going to close us in prayer.